Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are in Hebrews, and we are finishing up chapter 12, and we'll be uh, starting chapter 13, the very last chapter in the book of Hebrews. So we'll be putting in um, around verse 25. This uh, chapter 12 has been an amazing chapter. I've really, really enjoyed chapter 12. It's been a chapter about hope, but also I look at it as a chapter that talks about endurance. We have so much um that we um can look to Christ for for our endurance we talked about this chapter encouraging us and we have encouragement to not grow weary when times get hard um we can look to Jesus and what Jesus founded in his life, the foundation of your very faith in, in verse 2. And we're also encouraged by Jesus' death on the cross for us, his endurance. And he looked past the cross. He looked past the cross to the joy ahead of him. That was the kingdom, his coming kingdom. He could look past that cross. So we could be encouraged by Jesus' life. We can be encouraged by Jesus' death. Look what he did for us on the cross, but look how he did it. He looked past death. He looked past the cross to what was coming. We can be encouraged in the same way. So no matter what we're facing, Jesus has already been on the cross for us. He gives us this visual image of a life on the cross. We can look past our own hardship, our own cancer, our own physical health declining, our own uh, tragedies. We can look to Him who experienced even worse on the cross for us, and we can look past the cross, just like Jesus looked past the cross, to His coming kingdom. Then we can be encouraged because God exhorts us as sons and daughters and children. We're adopted in Him because of what Jesus did on the cross. And now we're in God's family. We not only have access to God as never before, but we have access as loving, as loved children. 
tender love children. And so the encouragement that we get, not only as children, he's telling us to get insight into the hardships that we have to have in earth because that is discipline. We need to look at anything that we have to go through on earth as a discipline from God because God disciplines every son whom he receives. That's verse 6. So every child of God is going to get some kind of discipline because every child of God needs it. So when you have hardships in your life, you have the choice. You have an attitude. You can look at that hardship as you're getting ripped off in life or somebody else is taking advantage of you or you got cheated out of something or life is unfair or God is unfair. You know, or you can have your heart with a proper attitude and say, you know what? God would never let anything bad happen to a loving child. This is discipline from God. I need this discipline. It gives me the opportunity to depend on Him and give Him the glory, give Him the exaltation. So we can be encouraged as sons and daughters and children as being disciplined. Those were verses 5 through 11. And then we can be encouraged by the joy that comes from this living city when we look past the cross. This living city that is the that in the center of this is joyful worship. It's a living city of the living God with a living Christ in a festal gathering of joyful worship with the living assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven. In other words, if you've got somebody that you miss because they've passed away, you can be encouraged from this because we get a picture of a living city with this living assembly of the firstborn. These are people, Christ was the firstborn son of God, but these are the firstborn from Jesus Christ. The assembly of the firstborn. The assembly of the people of the firstborn, meaning Jesus Christ, his assembly enrolled in heaven. No one is dead right now. We have a God of the living, not a God of the dead. So we can be encouraged that there is a kingdom in heaven. And as we are seeing now in in uh, the latter verses of chapter 12, it's a kingdom that may that will not be shaken, that cannot be shaken. And we are encouraged by Christ as our mediator. And we are encouraged that our kingdom in heaven, this kingdom will not be shaken. What a marvelous uh, encouragement we have in uh, these chapters, I mean, these verses in verse 12, in, in chapter 12. So we'll start our study with all this in perspective. Verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. So in other words, he's saying, don't take the Lord Jesus for granted. Don't take God's word for granted. 
because God will judge. And um, Jesus Christ is now in heaven. And uh, so if people people won't um, escape the Word of God, the Gospel message of God by declining it when Jesus was on earth. Now Jesus has already defeated death and in heaven. He, he's made the Gospel message even more important not to miss. Don't miss this Word. At that time, His voice shook the earth. Now, God, God's voice shook the earth when He was given His law to the people from Mount Sinai. And we were saying before how scary that must have been. Have you ever been in a lightning storm or thunderstorm where the thunder's rattling the walls of your house and the children are scared to death and the animals are hiding under the bed? I've been in those situations. I've been in those situations one time where I thought a, uh, a tornado was in our area and I was scared to death. I even got in the tub because I was scared the roof was going to come down. Well, God's voice shook the earth. The people were terrified when they gave them when He gave them the Old Testament law. Okay, so we have a new law that is not um, a, a, a. We have a new mountain. It's Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai anymore. And this is this is uh, this is not um, a gift that we have to be fearful of or being separated from God. This gift is the living God and its complete acceptance as sons and daughters. But he also says once more, he'll shake the earth. He says, yes, once more, I'll shake not only the earth, but the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. He's going to shake the earth, and all the things that are going to be temporary will be removed. But the things that are permanent, that's going to be His kingdom. And He's going to shake it with His words. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What a powerful image that is. We have Christ on the cross as an image. And looking past Christ on the cross, we see an image of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You want to talk about encouragement? Nothing can shake God's kingdom. Not any little worry or care or stress or strife that you have in this world that you think is important. All of that will be shaken away. What you will have remaining, when you look through the cross of Christ, past that, past death, you'll see a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be grateful, verse 28, for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. When we look at this kingdom that cannot be shaken, we have to remember we are looking through the cross of Christ. We are looking through death itself. And when we understand that what we've been given goes straight through our own death, we need to give acceptable worship. We need to be grateful for what Christ has done 
And that leads us to worship. Acceptable worship, not worship half-hearted. It's wholehearted worship. And not just worship like whatever you feel. It's reverent worship. Remember, you're worshiping in a reverent way the God in heaven with all. For our God is a consuming fire. It's not that God is scary. It's God is so great and we are so unworthy of His presence. Don't forget the God of Mount Sinai. That's how powerful He is. And God will judge sin. God has to judge sin because sin cannot be in His presence. So we need to have this reverent reverence of how holy God is, awe of how great He is. We need to be so grateful in our own hearts so that when we worship Him, it's acceptable to Him. So now we'll look at chapter 13. Verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So we're starting off with love. This whole gospel message is given out of love. Jesus on the cross was given to us in love. Giving us Jesus, sending Jesus to us was love. Jesus' life was love. That's what his life showed. His death on the cross was love. Our adoption as sons and daughters is out of love. Christ is our mediator in heaven because we are so loved by him. God's kingdom is built on love. So we need to show that same kind of love because we need to be encouraged all the hardship, you know, that we were talking about in chapter 12 for our own good is to let us understand, let brotherly love continue. Let love continue. All of this is given to us so that we can learn how to love. So you've got love to God and God's love to you, but it doesn't stop there. It's not a straight up and down. It's more like a triangle. The other side of the triangle is others. God loves others too. Just like He loves you. But also, you're supposed to love others too. Just like God loves others. It's not just the you-God relationship. It's you-God and the others. Okay? So it's like, as McGee says, it's like a triangle. So... We've been talking about God and what He's done for you and all of us. So we've got to love one another just as God loves us. And if you're not doing it, if you don't have, if, you know, if love is not a triangle in your world, then something's wrong. You're not loving others as God has shown you how He loves others. You've got to be encouraged to love others, to love one another. Verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. In other words, you're also in the flesh. I don't think 
Well, my study Bible says it's probably not meaning in the body of Christ, but those mistreated would be in the body of the physical body. And you know what it feels like to be mistreated or beaten. Or, you know, in these in these times for when these people were living, being a Christian was tough. And the Romans would punish people for their faith. And in many areas of the world today, people are punished for their faith. Sometimes they're punished for their faith by being mocked or being put down. Sometimes they're being punished by their faith by uh, being beaten or tortured or even killed. But remember those. Since you are also flesh and blood right now. Verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. So, how do you live your life? You live your life in love, but you've got to have proper treatment of others. The love that you show has to be sincere. It has to be hospitable. Not just to people who you know, but people who you don't know. And people, not only the the well-to-do people, but the people who are in prison. They're there for a reason. Remember them. Remember those who are mistreated. And then another way love shows itself is through marriage. If you're gonna, if you're in a marriage or want to be in a marriage, you or or thinking about it, that marriage love has to be in a proper way. It can't be displaying immorality in marriage. And then, how does love show itself? Keep your life, verse 5, free from the love of money and be content with what you have. That's pretty powerful. He calls it out right then and there. He's throwing out big, big uh, pictures here of how your love is supposed to look like, what your love is supposed to look like. Don't love money. Don't love immorality. Don't love people for what position they're in. Love the lowly people. And don't just show love to people that you know. Show your love to strangers, people that you don't know. And he says, be content with what you have. How many times do we need to hear that? My goodness. What advice there. Be content for what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And this is a, these are sort of a combination of Psalms 118 verse 6, Psalms 27 verse 1, Psalms 56 verse 4, and Psalms 56 verse 11. These are all from the Psalms. How often do we live our life or do we live our life with love? saying to ourselves, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do we let the Lord be our helper? Do we, do we allow Him to be our helper? That's how we love one another, is letting the Lord be our helper and not having any fear 
because the Lord is our helper. Let the Lord be your helper. He says he will never leave you, never forsake you. So why why don't we let him be our helper? That's part of our encouragement. That's part of our training. We have to learn how to endure. Remember, chapter 12 was our call to endurance. But chapter 13 talks about what that looks like. So part of that is to let the Lord be your helper. And you don't have to fear because he says he will never leave you, never forsake you. Verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider uh, the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Remember your leaders. They're there for a reason. God put them in your life there to give you the word of God. Pray for them. Imitate their faith. And then we'll end on a verse 8 that McGee says he's going to come back to next time we study. And so we will too. But it's so powerful, you can't you can't not read it. You know, it has to be here. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Is that a powerful verse or what? Jesus Christ is the same. Jesus Christ is constant. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is your helper. You have nothing to fear. Nobody can do anything to you. Jesus Christ has already saved you. He saved you from death. There's nothing your life is going to go through worse than what Jesus has already gone through. He's already gone through a death for you. You can look past that death. You can look past the cross. You can look to the cross, but look past it to a kingdom that will never be shaken. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today in your life, and forever. He is there to save you. He is there to not leave you in any way. Or forsake you. He won't forget you. He won't leave you. He gives you confidence. He gives you, he helps you with your endurance. Imitate your leaders. Imitate Christ. Imitate their faith. Imitate Christ's faith. He trusted God the Father in heaven to raise him from the dead. He's showing you how to believe, He's showing you how to trust. Let him be your helper. Christ will always be there. He always has been there. He's the same. He will never change. His love for you is constant. Wow. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll end here. Um, Our study was um, slightly delayed. So this study will probably be published over the weekend. Um because yesterday's study didn't get published till today. So I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, this, this is a great study. I'm really, really enjoying going through this with everyone. So from me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time as we um, take up the rest of Hebrews on Monday. God bless you. Take care.
Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 25, all the way to chapter 13, verses 1 through to verse 8. So, from the study of Hebrews, when we began, we saw the writer of this epistle is telling these Hebrews that Jesus Christ is better than anything that God had ever done in the past. And, um, you know, he had done many wonderful things, like many, many wonderful things. But, you know, Jesus Christ just surpasses everything. He is a wonderful, perfect person. He is a joyful, um, I don't even know how to describe him. Yeah, but he's better than the prophets. He's better than the Old Testament rituals. He's better than the law that was given. And, um, you know, his urged, the writer here is, is urging them to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as he is the living Savior. So verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 12 reads, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. So here we are in this section of the warning. So that's the peril of denial. So it pays to actually pay attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the reward is great. It's eternal life. The reward is like, it's joy. It's, you know, that inner peace that we seek. It's a very good reward, you know, as, um, you know, he is our savior and his words are wonderful. You know, they just bring peace and they just bring, you know, you know, they just bring calm, you know, when we're facing the storms of life. So an example of what happened to people under the law, you know, it can be seen from the nation Israel today. If you look at that nation, it's a warring nation. You know, the land is dry and arid and, you know, they are constantly fighting each other. You know, there's um, people hiding in, bu there's bunkers everywhere. Um, and, you know, there's just like war. You know, you go there today, there's a building standing. You know, you go there after a month, that building is not there anymore. So even today, there is no peace at all. There's no peace in that land. So, you know, they refuse to actually hear Jesus. And they also refuse to hear the law. And God has actually judged them. So they both, they denied the law. Um, they refuse to hear it. They refuse to actually follow the law. And they also deny Jesus. And, um, you know, we should actually heed this particular warning that has been given. Verse 26 of Hebrews 12 goes on to read, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. So, you know, at the giving of the law, there was an earthquake. You know, the earth shook. You know, when Moses was receiving the law, there was like thunderstorms and all. And, you know, the people around were scared. And, um, you know, at the crucifixion of Christ, there was an earthquake. You know, there was a sh shake and the, the earth shook. And God says the day is coming when he will shake everything. He both heaven and earth are going to shake so that all of his created universe, um, you know, know that, you know, there are some things that are unshakable. You know, one being a living faith in Christ, that is unshakable. You know, everything else will shake and fall and break and collapse. He's going to shake it. But, you know, the living faith is unshakable. So he, you know, 
God can't be shaken. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ can't be shaken. He is our rock. And, uh, you know, no man can make the world a safe place. You know, we have the United Nations. We used to have the League of Nations. You know, we have Amnesty International, all these trying to make peace. But no man can make this world safe. It's it's sad. You know, you can't walk in the streets without, like, in the even during the day, actually. Like, um, um, you know, you can't um, just walk the streets freely. Like, say, for example, where I work, um, you know, if I'm carrying my bag, I have to clutch into my bag tightly. And, you know, I have to keep, like, looking around and just to be careful so that no one snatches my bag or snatches my phone or something. You know, at night, you can't walk freely. You know, it's not safe. But only God can make, um, you know, can bring peace in the world and only God can make us safe. Only God can keep us safe, rather, sorry. So verse 27 of Hebrews 12 goes on to read, Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things which are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So here, you know, Dr. J.V. McGee pointed out this, Let us build our house on the rock. So let's look to Jesus. You know, let's build our foundation on faith, on Christ Jesus. So uh, let's look to Jesus and build our faith and trust in him, you know, because he is our rock. He is our unshakable rock. You know, when the Lord comes and, you know, there's going to be rumblings and shaking, you know, only, you know, the, the living faith will not shake. You know, our rock won't be shaken. You know, God is unshaken. So he will shake everything and reveal that which is fake and that which is false. But, you know, the, the true living faith won't be shaken. So verse 28 goes on to read, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So here, you know, we are moving toward a heavenly kingdom and we need to see this down here. So we should serve God. You know, because we're moving to an unshakable, wonderful, marvelous, grand kingdom. And, you know, we need to actually see it. So we are to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's how we are to serve the Lord. So Christianity is, you know, it's not about playing church. Like, oh, hey, I go to church every Sunday. You know, there's a midweek service and I go there. Um, You know, there's a women's league and I serve under that women's league. It's not also taking up you know, a pious attitude, you know, that holier than thou attitude. I know more. I've been a Christian longer than you. You know, I can quote scripture very, very well because I've mastered it. It's not about that. That's not what Christianity is about. It's having a real relationship with Christ that affects our lives and transforms us and anchors us in God's word. That's what Christianity is about. You know, having that real connection, you know, with God um, trusting him, putting our faith in him, um, you know, conversing with him, um, just having the real connection, the realness. Um, that is what Christianity is about. Let's anchor our faith in God. Verse 29 goes on to read, for God is a consuming fire. So here is a reminder, you know, grace is available for us to serve God, but, um, you know, don't, trifle with God and, um, you know, think you can actually get by with it. You know, you have a lot of people who think they can get by with it. Like, oh, hey, I go to church and all, and they do certain things in the dark that they're not supposed to be doing. You know, it all comes out. Don't trifle with God. God's not mocked. 
God is gracious and he is glorious. Don't trifle with God. Christianity is serious business. It's actually serious business. You can't just, you know, go to church and play church. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to church or I'm a Christian and you just play church. That's it because I sing in the choir and all. I'm a nice person and all. It's not enough. Christianity is serious business. So now we come to verse, sorry, we come to chapter 13. And here this is, you know, it's, it's, it's been called the love chapter. So we come to the practice of the believer. So now it's about us, the practice of the believer. So verse 1 of chapter 13, Hebrews reads, let brotherly love continue. So here, you know, as believers, we are to love because, you know, we are to love one another as believers because we, are, we belong to one family. You know, we belong to the family of God. Um, you know, we are to love each other as brothers. And if we are children of God, we are all brothers and sisters and, um, you know, we belong to one body and we are in the same family. So, you know, um, it's like we have a triangle. I'm getting, I'm borrowing this um, example that was used. We have a triangle and that at the top of the triangle, there's God. And at the side, there's me and there's the others. So at the top, there's God. So faith and love is towards God and love is towards others. So we ought to express and share that love because we belong to um, one family and that's God's family. Verse two goes on to read of Hebrews 13. Do not forget to entertain strangers for, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained and entertained angels. So here, you know, they're talking about stranger love. Look at Abraham. He entertained angels unknowingly. Joshua entertained angels. Jacob did entertain some angels, though he did not that many. And, you know, our love is to be exercised, um, you know, with judgment, though our love is supposed to be exercised with judgment, you know, you're supposed to use like proper discernment when expressing your love because, you know, you just might be entertaining or, um, you know, a stranger who's just out there to stab you in the back to kill you or whatever it is. So, you know, we ought to exercise our love with proper discernment and judgment. So, but we need to actually recognize that there are people around us who could, you know, be very help, you know, who could actually be very helpful to and extend our love towards them as well. You know, might not just know, no, you might be entertaining um, a, an angel. Verse 3 of Hebrews 13 reads, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body all soul. So, you know, everyone is our brother and sister. You know, because we all belong to, especially if you're a child of God, you're a Christian, you know, everyone is our brother and sister. So here, you know, even Paul, you know, who was in bound in chains, you know, um, could relate to this. So, um, so show love to those in need as well. Those who are suffering, you know, the church being a body, if one member suffers, we all suffer. You know, it's more like our bodies. I mean, like if I have like, you know, I hurt my little pinky finger. Um, you know, it's, it's just a little small bruise and, um, and, you know, but I feel it, you know, like everything else suffers, you know, my whole body, I'm like, okay, this is painful. So if one member, um, because, you know, we're a body of believers, if one of our members who's in need suffers, you know, um, the whole body suffers. Verse four, um, of Hebrews 13 goes on to read, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So here. You know, sex is to be exercised in, there's nothing wrong with sex, but it's to be exercised in the framework of marriage. 
So God gave marriage to mankind for our welfare. So the home is actually the center of the whole social structure in the world today. And, you know, um, the center of the church as well. So, um, you know, if we attempt to live outside, and you have a lot of this going on right now because it's the modern reality, you know, people are living, are cohabiting, and they are thinking it's just easier, like, to actually just cohabit. You know, what's the big deal? So if we attempt to actually live outside that, we'll surely pay for it. You know, it's coming, actually. So God is not mocked. You know, whatever you sow today, you shall reap. So you just won't get by, you know, but with it. You know, God will actually judge. So now, uh, verse 5 goes on to read, Let your manner of life or let your conduct be without uh, covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, you know, God, he will always be by our sides. He has always been by our sides. You know, we can have our relatives and, you know, our friends, you know, leave us in a time of need. But, you know, look to God. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That is very comforting. You know, to know, you know, we have this living God who will always be there. You know, if we just avail ourselves to him, if we go to him, he's always there. Like he's, he's always knocking on the doors of our hearts. He is always there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Even if everyone around us leaves us, God will always be there for us. So verse 6 um, of Hebrews 13 goes on to read, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will, fear, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So now, you know, here, the Hebrew Christians in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, you know, they were going to actually face trials, tribulations, punishment. But, you know, for believers, God wasn't going to actually forsake them. He was actually going to be there for them. You know, they were going to face a lot of persecution, which they did, which we've read about. But, um, you know, God was going to be there. He was not going to leave them nor forsake them. So we skipped verse 7. Dr. Jeeva McGee didn't explain it because he wanted to actually explain because of time constraints. And he actually wanted to explain verse 8. But I will just read verse 7. Um, it reads, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conversation or conduct verse 8 goes on to read Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever so here you know Jesus you know Jesus was um you know it's it's not deliberate and yeah um you'd have come to actually like note that as well you know everything that's written in the bible is not like written like out of mistake or whatever it is it's not deliberate there's a reason for it so here we have the name Jesus Christ so Jesus was his human name and Christ is his title so you know that speaks of his uh deity so the name Jesus links him with mankind down here it links him with um you know, the most wonderful person here in the world. And, you know, we have a name and a title. So Jesus Christ, he is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings calm. He brings love. He brings joy. If you just avail yourself to him, if we avail ourselves to him, this has been like a wonderful, wonderful um, teaching today. Um, you know, I have... You know, it's been very comforting, um, very, very comforting. And um, 
yeah, it's been a great actually um, to actually just read these um, these verses in scripture, you know, where the, it says the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. You know, despite whatever we're going through, despite the storms of life, God is our rock. He's our firm foundation. He's our lighthouse. He's our tower. And, um, you know, when he comes, you know, he's going to shake. He is unshakable, actually. When he comes, you know, he's going to shake um, this world, this earth. He's going to shake this earth. And, you know, um, everything else is going to shake. But he, the Lord, he is unshakable. Um, you know, he is um, that rock that we should actually build our homes on, that firm foundation that we should actually always look to. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening. God bless and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye.